Hi, Arthur. <laughs> great. It's great to be with you this, this morning. My name's uh, Dan. I'm part of the leadership team here at Jubilee. I don't really know how to go after that. Obviously, I knew in advance. <laughs> um, so not, but um, yeah, it's exciting for them. It's incredibly sad to be losing them. And, um, and we will be looking at how we support them uh, as they move. Um, they're still dear friends. There's no, it's, a, it's a good time to send um, because we're, there's, there's no fallout. There's no issues. Sometimes that's what happens with churches. They fall out and that's why they get rid of people. Um, that's not what's happened here. And um, I'm not going to insult Steve because he's not old enough to be my dad. Um, but he has fathered me um, since, uh, eight, since I was 18. Met him him and Joe in Teesside, and, um, and they're going to still really heavily support us, and we're not going to let them not. Uh, so they're going to be, you're going to get sick, sick of them. Going, Why are you back again? Um, but they're going to be keep coming back, and so we're just keep praying for them uh, during this time as, we, as they pray for some miraculous provision when it comes to uh, sending, sort of them finding the right house, keep praying for them as they go through all of this. Uh, just processing it emotionally and um, mentally. Do, do keep them in your prayers. Uh, and this is just, there's plenty of time. We will, they're not going to disappear out the back door. There's going to be plenty of time to celebrate all that they are to us, all that mean to us. And, and this, um, yeah, this week uh, we finish our series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at um, what we find is Jesus' most complete teaching found in the Bible has shown us what it means to live in the kingdom. Um, and actually, it's quite a fitting message um, with the news we've just heard. Um, what it means to put your faith into action. Because that's what Steve and Joe are doing. They're saying, actually, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna, just going to keep things as normal just because we can and it's going well. Actually, we're going to keep stepping out. We're going to keep saying, God, what have you got for us? What does it mean for you to, for us to put our faith into action? And so far in this series, um, we've been looking at it for a number of months. We've been looking at, we saw him first teach the Beatitudes. You you might remember, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is really, I I don't know what it is. It's really off-putting this week. I'm going to move it over here. Is that okay? Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Um, Then went into how to be salt and light, uh, how to deal with relationships, anger, uh, lust, divorce, how to love your enemies, how to give to the needy, uh, what it is to pray, what it is to fast, um, how to deal with anxiety. We've been through quite a lot over the last uh, four or five months. And Jesus is presenting this picture of what it is to live in the kingdom. How to be followers of Jesus, that we don't live as citizens of the earth, we live as heavenly citizens in this place, knowing that we are heading towards this eternal home with Jesus. And this sermon isn't all that Jesus has to say. If you read the the Gospels, you'll find he's got plenty more to say. Um, But this is the most complete set of teachings that we have, and this gives us a beautiful picture of what it is to live as Christians. That in following Jesus, we find life. That in following him, we, it's not easy, but we find fulfillment. We become the people that God made us to be. It's this great invitation. He, he, he gives this sermon to a crowd on the mountain. 
We, we don't know how many were there, but I'm sure for each of them, the longer that Jesus spoke, the more challenged they were in their hearts, but the more excited they were about following Jesus, the more attracted they were to this kingdom. And I hope that as you have heard this teaching, you have been challenged, but also you've been excited about what it is to follow Jesus. By this point, I'm sure that the crowds on the mountain are ready to sign up. They're, they're ready to, you know, Jesus could get his disciples to go around with a clipboard and make a name of every, you know, note of everybody who wants to be a follower of Jesus. They, they could run a new members course or an introduction to Christianity course. But instead, Jesus finishes this message with some warnings. Uh, last week, um, Steve uh, shared some of these warnings as he uh, firstly warned people that the gate to following Jesus is is not the wide one. It is the narrow one and the hard one. Then he warned them about not following false teachers who bear bad fruit, and be, but being people who, who follow Jesus and bear good fruit. And then to help people with these warnings, uh, Jesus delivers another warning in the form of a parable that we find in Matthew 7, 24. We're going to read to 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it, it's, it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them, does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus has taught them so much, and yet he finishes uh, this, the, his, his entire teaching with just a really clear instruction. That everyone who hears these words must put them into action. That living in the kingdom isn't about knowing stuff about the kingdom, but it is hearing the words and it is living it out. It's not enough to show up every week. It, either here or online if you're at home. You know, take some notes, highlight your Bible, discuss it in your growth group. No, you have to put it into action. I followed Jesus um, for, about, for almost 20 years, and um, I've been part of Bible studies and home groups and connect groups and life groups and growth groups and men's groups. Uh, other than women's groups, I've been part of it all, I, I think. Um, and some of these times have been um, amazing. I've had the privilege of sitting under uh, teaching from wonderfully gifted, godly men and women. I've built great friendships. I've, um, I've been developed and I've learned so much. But I also know that I can approach these groups and I can say the right things. I can, t I can tell you what Jesus has been teaching me or how the Sunday service has impacted me, but then do nothing about it. Like in, described in James 1, 22 to 24, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Jesus is teaching here that those who are listening should go, hear, go and do. 
So that when Jesus says, love your enemies, it's not a trick. He's saying, go and love your enemies. When Jesus says, um, give to the needy, he wants you to go and give to the needy. When Jesus says, and when you fast, he wants you to go and fast. Now, we want to be people who understand the Bible correctly. We want to interpret it well, understand its context. If you speak Greek, we want to learn from you. Yes, to all those things. But actually, following Jesus is about obedience. And therefore, as Jesus starts to show us in this sermon about what it is to live in the kingdom, the way we are obedient is to go and live this stuff out. Jesus is a teacher. He's a rabbi. But he's a teacher like no other. He doesn't say, come and learn from me. Or learn about me. He says, come and follow me. Jesus isn't going for information, but he's going for transformation. And to help us understand this teaching, Jesus speaks about two builders. The first builder is the one who hears the words of Jesus and he goes and does them. He is the one who builds on strong foundations. The second builder is the one who, who hears Jesus' words but does not do them and he builds on weak foundations. Jesus doesn't tell us why one builder listens and one doesn't, why one is obedient and one isn't. And I think he does this because he wants us to find ourselves in this parable. When we look to anger, were you the wise builder who put these words into action? When we looked at teaching on marriage or divorce, were you the wise builder who put Jesus' words into action? When we looked at prayer, were you the wise builder who put Jesus' words into action? Both houses were built. One on the foundations of Jesus' words and putting them into practice, and the other on the weak foundation of the person who hears Jesus' words but does not do them. Both houses are built. They probably look the same initially. Both houses have a roof, they have a door, they have windows, and until the flood comes, both houses are doing okay. You may be building on Jesus. You may be obediently following his words, and you might be thinking, am I actually any different to those around me? You may be feeling weary because you have been following what Jesus says, and yet it is incredibly tough. Or you may be obediently following Jesus, and yet other people, maybe even those who say they're Christians, they are not following the way of Jesus, but they seem to be prospering. You might be feeling like, hey, I'm following Jesus, and it just seems unfair. You know, the Christian still, the Christian following Jesus, he still goes to work, raises the family, enjoys socializing, but he's motivated by the kingdom and following Jesus. You know, from a distance, both houses look very similar. I have some friends who are the nicest people you can meet. They are generous, they are kind, they are loving, and yet they don't know Jesus. From a distance, that, it might, both houses might look the same. You know, the test of a house is not when the sun is shining. The test of a house is when the storm comes. That is the moment of truth in this parable. Both houses are built, yet the moment of truth is when the storm and the floods come. If you were in Hull in 2007, you will remember 25th of June 2007 when the floods came. Who was in the city at the time? I had the police in a canoe, canoeing past my house. It's a picture I'll never forget. Loss of life. 10,000 properties, over 10,000 properties effective. They, they re 
they reckon 40 million pounds worth of damage was done. One day. When the floods came, they devastated our city. And afterwards, they did lots of looking into why it happened, and they just found that the flood defences were not sufficient. When, when, the, you know, when the flood comes, flood defences were not sufficient. That's what a review said. And you, I mean, you go down, to the, go down to the areas by the deep and that, and you'll see the amount of money they're spending on making sure that floods never happen again to our city. If our foundations are not sufficient, when the floods come, they overwhelm us. That's what we found in Hull. The floods came and they overwhelmed us. And in our lives, if our foundations are not sufficient, then when the floods come, they will overwhelm us. And floods can be any type of hardship. It might be that medical diagnosis that you've just received. It might be the death of a loved one. It may be a broken relationship, a job loss, financial difficulties. If you are not in a flood right now, or you don't think, actually, I don't know if I faced a flood. One will come, don't worry. We will all face floods in our lives. Many of you in this room, you have been battered by floods many times in your life. The floods will come. Particularly positive message this morning. Go on. But you know what? Jesus doesn't promise an easy life. Jesus says in Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my, my, be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Life is hard. Even when it's good, it still has its difficulties. Jesus doesn't promise us an escape, but he promises us a way through. When the floods come, it will reveal what your life is built on. The two builders find that anything that is not built on Jesus will fall with a huge crash. This year, the last whatever it is now, 15 months, been a flood for many of us. COVID-19, we've, we've dealt with a, a flood. I also believe it's been a great revealer of what we're building on. There are some people who have walked away from church They've walked away from Jesus this year because their faith was not built on Jesus but was built on attending a weekly service. Or the difficulties this year has meant that, that people have walked away. They have doubted the goodness and the sovereignty of God and they've walked away. I am sure many of us in our lifetime have known people who we thought were so close to Jesus and yet they're no longer following him. What happened there? And I don't say that without any hint of pride or superiority because none of us are immune from building our house on the sand. None of us are untouchable from the work of the enemy who wants to steal and destroy. We need to face this part of the sermon with a sense of realism. Jesus doesn't want to scare us. He welcomes us in today, but he wants us to have no doubt that following him is a call to obedience. Just go and ask Steve and Joe. We must ask those tough questions of ourselves and each other about where we are not following him, where we are building things on this world, not on things of this kingdom. But in this passage, there is also an incredible invitation to find life in Jesus. Those who have been invited to follow him, 
to, we have been invited in to know the living God, to know his heart and to see his hand in action, to build our lives on something that will truly last, to invest ourselves in the kingdom and to spend eternity enjoying our labor. It's a wonderful invitation. Following Jesus is hard. It's a narrow gate, as Steve shared about last week. But Jesus doesn't demand a standard of perfection. He doesn't demand that we perform before we can come to him. He doesn't rank us in order of our Christian ability. No, he shows us his nail-scarred hands. He shows us the price he paid for each of us, which means that we don't have to do anything to be loved and be accepted by God. This can seem like a contradiction. We need to be obedient, yet we can't do anything more to be loved by God. But in grace, we find that, we, that what we receive is not dependent on us following Jesus' teachings today. We receive grace, mercy, forgiveness when we come to Jesus. But then with a grateful heart, a heart that has been captured by Jesus, we want to follow him anywhere he goes and we want to do whatever he says. That's what happens. Jesus breaks into our lives. If you would die for me, Jesus, I will do anything for you. And at times we get it wrong. We We make a mess of it at times. But when we do, we find there is more forgiveness more grace, more mercy that Jesus wants to pour onto us. And in this, we are not left to do it alone. Jesus doesn't just say, here's some grace, go and make the best of it. No, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit who wants to empower us to live as heavenly citizens, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to live this out. The good news today is we have the Holy Spirit. It's the good news. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus' teachings. Simple question. What will we do with them? I'm just going to give Dave a really quick warning. You might want to start coming down. He's sat on the balcony. He's got a long way to go. As we come into land, I just want us to think about those people who heard that message. The crowds gathered on the mountainside. People listened to his teachings. It tells us, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. The people heard his teachings. They were amazed. Think about those 5,000 people or 5,000 men plus women and children who, who he fed with that miraculous catch of five loaves, two fish. Think about the people he healed. People, think about the people who, he, who saw him cast out demons. Think about all those people who welcomed in, him into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, celebrating his arrival, overjoyed to see him. Think about all the people who were amazed and loved seeing Jesus. They loved everything about him. And yet what happens is after his death, we find only 120 of them left. We find them locked in an upper room. Jesus wasn't any kind of hype. He wasn't trying to hype up the crowds to get them to follow. He shared the cost, and most people who heard it walked away. Most people saw, even even the people who were healed weren't there. 
there were 120 left, locked in a room, and yet the Holy Spirit fell on them. This is what happened at Pentecost. They were empowered to go out and share the gospel, to live as Jesus lived, to do all he commanded them. And then what happened was the kingdom broke in, and it is still breaking in today. May we be empowered by the Holy Spirit today to live obedient lives, following Jesus wherever he calls us, and being people who read the words of Jesus and just do them. I think that should be what we're known as. Church, you just hear the words of Jesus and put them into action. Yeah, up for that? Why don't you stand with me? Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew, and it beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. Father, we want to build on you today. We want to be people who have our foundations firmly on the rock. We know the storms are going to come. Let me know people living with storms right now. But Lord, we want to have our feet firmly on this, the security of you, knowing that when the winds of life come, we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken because we have built our lives on you. Lord, I just pray right now, would you come by your spirit and fill us afresh? Lord, we've read this sermon. It, most of it seems like it's easy, but we know that we just keep messing up. Give to the needy, love your enemies. Most of it, we think, well, I can do that, and then we mess up by Sunday night. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to live as you called us to live, to be salt and light. We want to have an impact for your kingdom. We want to see your kingdom breaking into our lives and those around us. So would you just fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? And we, I especially pray for those of us who are feeling like you're in a storm right now. The, the rain has come. The streams have rose. The wind has blown and it is beating against that house. I just pray you would come and minister to hearts that are feeling, feeling like they're being blown against today. Feeling like the storm, the winds are blowing, the rain's coming down. I just pray there would be a strengthening tonight, today, as people leave. That we would have a testimony to say, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Fill us afresh, Lord, we need you. You've called us to life in its fullness, and we want to enjoy that. We want to step into all that you have for us. Help us to be obedient and to follow you wherever you call us. Amen.